Matthew 14, verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered and said, and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Uh, that same scripture or same account in the book of Luke, uh, Mark chapter 6 begins uh, around verse number 46, 47. So we may look there. And this is what we'd like to think on tonight. I'd like to think on the fact that the direction God sent them in was contrary to them. The way that God told them to go was contrary to them. I believe that's very, very prevalent. I believe that's very true. I believe that happens over and over through the Word of God, that the Lord, and you know, you might say, well, I just don't understand that. Well, I, 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 I'm going to agree with you. But you know what our brother said a minute ago? By what we can see, it just doesn't make any sense, does it? I mean, here are disciples that are going exactly where God sent them, exactly according to the Word of God, doing what the Lord said for them to do, and sent them, and this is what the Bible said, He constrained them. The word means to make, to compel of necessity. And straightway Jesus constrained His disciples to get into the ship, and to go before him to the other side while he sent the multitude away. So it sounds like he says in Mark that he constrained his disciples to get into a ship to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida while he sent the people away. This, uh, I believe you could see this in the book of uh, John chapter number 4, a very familiar scripture. And I believe a scripture that people really like to say. I believe it sounds wonderful. And he must needs go through Samaria. <laughs> Ain't that something? 
You know what that word means? He must needs to tie, to bind, to put under obligation of necessity, inevitable, must happen. You know what the Lord said? I'm constraining you boys to go across the sea. Now I'm going to be there. Go on over there. I'm coming. Go on over there. That's what I'm telling you to do. It's of necessity that you go. I'm binding you. I'm making you. I'm sending you. uh, This is my will. But isn't it something that the will of God that we run into opposition? Well, listen. Don't count that something that is out of sorts with God. Just count that as something that we're going to run into and nature is against us. I'm telling you, if you're going to live for God and you're going to live by faith and you're going to uh, go according to the Word of God, you know what it's going to be? Everywhere you look is going to be discouragement. Everywhere you're going to be, it's going to be the wind in your face. It's going to be something that you're looking at that is going to say, well, you must be on the wrong road. You must be going the wrong way. You must be doing something wrong. Well, I beg your pardon. By the Word of God, the Lord constrained them to go this way. And they're doing exactly what He said. And the Word of God said that the wind was contrary to them. I know. I know. I know exactly what you're thinking. I know how you're feeling. I'm one of you. I know how it is. But know this. The Bible said... And when he sent the multitude away, he went up onto the mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Where were they? They were in the midst of the sea. The book of Mark says it like this. And when he saw them, he was in, they, he was on the mountain praying in verse number 646, 647. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. Are they there by mistake? They're not there by mistake. They're there by the will of God. They're there by the Word of God. They're there by God's constraint. By necessity they're there. And you know, I, I, I believe we ought to think about this. Uh, The Lord sent them into that storm. The Lord's the one that brought the storm. The Lord is the very one that brought that about. And friend, He's aware of that. And know this, in my opinion, looking at it, now you've got to look at it from their perspective. From their perspective, they're saying, what in the world is going on? Why are we out here in the middle of uh, of the sea and the Lord sent us out here and this great storm is going on around us? Uh, Is He mad at us? 
what what's going on? I tell you, friend, there's a there's a, a, a lesson here. God has a lesson for us in the midst of this storm. Though the wind, I believe this is what the Word of God says, and this is what He means in the book of in the book of Mark six forty seven. And and the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling in rowing. So that word there, that toiling in rowing, that means to examine. That means to test. And really it means this. I believe this is really what it means. It means to examine by torture. It means this by pain. To try or to torment to divulge the truth. Isn't that something? The torment, the examination, the pain is to divulge the truth. The truth about what? Well, let's see. It's here. Let's look and see. Is He aware? Absolutely, He is aware. He is looking and He sees them in their torment. He sees them in their examination. He sees that they're being tried. He sees that there's toil there. He sees that they're being examined uh, uh, by this pain, by this torment. And you know what they're going to do? I tell you, they're going to get to the place that they're just about ready to give up. uh, This, uh, according to the Word of God, at the fourth watch of the night, at three o'clock in the morning, you know where they're at? They're about three and a half to four miles, a friend on an eight-mile journey. They've been eight to nine hours laboring and working and toiling and in torment, and the wind is in their face, and they are there by the providence, by the hand of Almighty God. They're exactly where they're supposed to be, and they're there to divulge the truth, uh, that the truth may be brought out in what God has brought them to. You know, there's another Scripture in the book of Mark in chapter 5. It's when they were out on the sea at another time and Jesus is asleep on the pillar and He said it like this when He sent them out that day. When the evening was come, this is in four Mark 4, 35. Let us pass over to the other side. I tell you something, folks. There's a goal in mind. Getting to the other side is not off of the map. Well, it doesn't look like we're going to make it. I tell you, we're going to make it because God said, let us go to the other side. The Lord said, you go before me. The Lord said, I want you to go across the sea. We're going across the sea. It may be blowing in our face and it may be toilsome and it may be troublesome and it may be tormenting and it may be that we are there and here we are. We're nine hours into the journey 
and we're not even over the halfway point yet. Know this. I tell you, we're getting in a good place for God to show up. We're getting in a good place. I friend, when all hope was gone, I tell you what happened. The Lord come by. I, when all hope is gone, I friend, and we give up on ourselves and give up on what man thinks and give up on what you and I see. I tell you, then is the time for God to come by. A friend, the divulging of the truth is you and I can't do it. Back to Matthew. And in the fourth watch of the night, I, I, I don't guess I, I don't guess I said this. The word contrary. So what does that mean? <laughs> it means the opposite, opposed, against, adverse, or adversity. But it also has this little word, it's just a two-letter word in, in the Greek, and it's E-N, but the word means opposed, opposite, against, adverse, in or inside, within. You know where all of this is at? It's here. It's in the mind. Because, now picture them. God knows what's going on. They don't. They're alone is what the book says. You know there's no presence of the Lord. He's nowhere to be found. They're in the midst of the sea, eight or nine hours of rowing to go eight miles. They should have been over there a long, long, long time ago. But what they run into is opposition. Uh, the wind is contrary to them. I, I, I say this, folks, that nature itself is against you doing the will of God. That nature, and I don't, I believe in this situation we can see that nature as the wind is against us. But I want you to think about it more spiritually. I want you to think about the nature of the world that we're living in, the nature of the flesh that we've got to deal with, of the nature of unbelief that is all around us, of the nature that a world that hates God and a world that wants to oppose God and a world that desires uh, to, make, uh, uh, to make the church and to make God and to make us look like fools, we're living in that world. Everything to do with nature and the world and the flesh is opposed to what God's doing. That's the truth. Your flesh is against it. It's, and that's within you. Within is opposed. Inside is opposed. The natural man is opposed to what God says to do. And I tell you this, the family is opposed to it. 
The world's opposed to it. A uh, uh, friend, if God doesn't come by with His Spirit and speak to you and help you, your own loved ones and your own people, your own son, your own daughter, your own wife, your own husband will think uh, that you are a nut. They will think that you're crazy. You've gone off of the deep end. I'll tell you right now, they're in the middle of the sea and the wind is opposed to them and they are in the will of God. The Lord brought this about. The Lord's in this business. We're going to run into opposition. I tell you, if you're going to do what God wants you to do, you know, you can find all kinds of excuses why not to, or you can find all kinds of things to say, well, we shouldn't have done this, and we shouldn't have done that, and we shouldn't have loosed when we did, and we shouldn't have left when we did, and we should have done this and that and the other. I tell you that they are in the midst of a storm, and the wind is opposed to them, and they're in the middle of the sea, and they're laboring, and they're in torment, and friend, everything it seems to be is against them. The Lord's not against him. The wind may be against him. Nature may be against them. What's inside them may be against them. Their thinking may be against them. The natural world may be against them, but the Lord is not against them. He saw them toiling. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them walking on the water. This is in uh, uh, the walking on the sea and would have passed them by. This is in the book of Mark. So I'm going to go back to Matthew. And when he, and in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. Walking on the sea. Walking on top of that that is opposing them. You might say, well, it's the wind. Well, I tell you, the wind is causing the sea to oppose them as well. A friend, not only is the wind opposing them, the waves are opposing them as well. So, the Lord comes walking across the water. And He says this, I believe maybe this would be a good time to read in Mark chapter number 4. Jesus is asleep on the pillow. And, 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 and they say this. This is 4.38. And He was in the hindermost part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake Him and they say unto Him, Master, carest not that we perish... And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto, said unto the sea, Peace, be still. So in this scripture, I believe we're still dealing with the same type of thing. In this scripture, the Lord says, you know, I, I, I believe this is the way man thinks. Lord, don't, don't you care? Lord, don't you, are you unaware of where we are? <laughs> no, he's not unaware. In, in Mark, he's on the mountaintop and he sees them. 
Now, can you imagine somebody seeing three and a half to four miles across the sea seven days after the full moon? Uh, 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 friend, here he is looking, a uh, friend, off of the mountaintop and sees them in the midst of the sea toiling and rowing and under this opposition. Uh, does he know? They say here in Mark chapter 4, uh, Lord, do you know that we're going to perish? Uh, Lord, are you unaware of what's going on? I tell you, friend, know this. He's very aware of what's going on. Uh, friend, he's not ignorant of what's going on. He's not unaware of what's going on. Uh, friend, but I'll tell you what he's doing. He's bringing them to the point that they cry out to him. He's bringing them to the point, uh, friend, that they have run out of reserve. Uh, they've run out of strength. Uh, friend, they've told all night. Uh, friend, and they're not halfway across the sea yet. And everything's against them. And here comes the Lord. And friend in Mark chapter 4, they get him up off of the pillar and they said, Lord, don't you care that we perish? Lord, don't you know that we're about to die? You think God saved you and is unaware of where you are? You think two sparrows can fall without God orchestrating it? And God doesn't know where you are? He's not ignorant of where you are. He's not ignorant of the storm that we're in. He's not ignorant of, friend, that there's opposition. He's not ignorant of that. Thank God He's very aware. Uh, friend, I tell you what, there is a fear here. Uh, there is a fear. I, I thought about it like this in Mark chapter 4. There's a fear that's right and there's a fear that's wrong. And I believe the wrong fear is this. He, he, the Bible said, Master, care us not that we perish. Lord, don't you care? I mean, He saved us from hell and He don't care? I tell you, we got the wrong idea about Him. Our friend, He's not ignorant of us. He's not unaware of us. He's very aware of where we are, what we're going through. He has made it and brought the storm to our lives. A friend, that we might call on Him. Lord, have you forgot about us? Lord, are you unaware of us? Lord, are you ignorant? You know, Lord, are you unconcerned? Are you not concerned about our safety? Lord, are you not concerned? I say this. He sent them across the sea. He said, let us go to the other side. I believe this, friend. I believe let us. Let us go to the other side. Praise God, I'm going with you. Know this, you won't be alone. It looked like in Matthew and Mark how that they were there alone. I'll tell you this, friend, it may have looked that way, but He was there. He come to them. Fourth watch of the night. Darkest time. Wore out. Nine hours into the journey. Absolutely a wore out, exhausted. We're getting in the right place, aren't we? Wouldn't you say? I mean, if they could have got across the other side in an hour and a half, they'd have been over there asleep, wouldn't they? 
God led them out there in the middle of the night at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning, passed by 3 o'clock in the morning. Our friend, they're exhausted, have not made it anywhere. How the winds are blowing in their face. They're saying, what in the world are we going to do? The Lord comes walking on the sea. We're going to run into opposition. You're going to live for God, you're going to run into opposition. Naturally, nature is going to oppose you. Your flesh is going to oppose you. Jesus said, if you don't love me more than husband and wife and mother and father and children and land, He said, you're no, you can't be my disciple. I tell you this, friend, we're going to get to the place in my life and in your life and the lives of many people in this world. God is going to bring us through storms. God's going to bring us through trial. We're going to be brought through controversy. It's going to be contrary to us. The wind's going to be in your face more times than it's not. I'm telling you the truth. Every now and then we might have a tailwind. But it ain't too often for a child of God. And everywhere you look, it's going to be opposition. Everywhere your eye falls, it's something to discourage you. Well, know this. God sent them on this journey. God sent them on this way. Cure us not, Mark 4, that we perish. Lord, are you unaware? Are you unconcerned? I, I, I tell you, there, there's the wrong fear. But let's go back to Matthew for a second. And when the disciples saw Him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. Mark chapter 6. And when he, in the fourth watch of the night, he come to them on the sea and would have passed them by. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a, a spirit and cried out. You know, isn't it something? A friend, isn't it something that they don't recognize him in the storm? Uh, he's unrecognizable in the storm. Now, I ask you this. Who else can walk on top of this storm? Who else can walk on top of the water? Who else can walk? Uh, friend, I, I don't know what you think, but, but now you tell me what you think. He came walking to them on the water. Which way did He come? Now, remember, they come from over here going to the right across the sea. He's coming to them on... Looks like He's already been over there. He's coming back this way. It looks like He's coming to face them. He's not sneaking up behind them. Our friend, He's already traversed what they've been uh, all tore all to pieces about and tormented about and in trouble. Our friend, and been on the rack. Our friend, I hear that He's facing them. He comes facing them. Our friend, He's the one that's walking on the water. And when He comes... They 
they don't recognize Him. I'll tell you what, I don't believe they was expecting Him. If they was expecting Him, they'd been expecting Him to come from the other direction. Don't you reckon? I'll tell you, God shows up. Many be the time. A friend in a place that we're not expecting. A friend in many be the time. The Lord showed up. And we don't even realize it. I tell you what they recognize though. They recognize his voice. Over top of the storm. They recognized his voice over top of the wind, over top of the waves, over top of the beating into the ship. They recognized his voice. You may not be able to look and to see Him, but I tell you this, I believe it will be like Elijah was. It may not be an earthquake, and He may not shake the mountain down. I friend, and He may not burn it down. But I'll say this, if He'll just speak to me with a still small voice, I praise God, I want to hear Him. Let us keep our ear tuned even in the midst of the storm, to hear a word from God. The last word they heard was, voice, get in the ship and get to the other side. Constrained of necessity, made to. They're there by the will of God. They're there by the providence of God. They're there in a storm because God put them in a storm. It's a spirit. And they cried out for fear. <laughs> oh, thank God. He did, and in, in Matthew 14.27, and straightway, immediately, Mark, Mark chapter 6. And they cried out, for they all saw Him and were troubled, and immediately. <laughs> Isn't that something? When they cried out, when they cried out for fear, there's a wrong fear. There's a right fear. There's the right kind of fear. And the right kind of fear is this. The right kind of fear is to know this. We're unable to overcome this storm. I'm unable to overpower this. This is of God, and unless God calms this storm, unless God speaks sweet peace to this storm, unless He says in Mark chapter 4, peace be still, I'll tell you, friend, the storm is going to rage on. But I'll tell you what He's looking for. He's looking for me, and He's looking for you to cry out. And I'll tell you what the Word of God says. And the Word of God says in Matthew straightway, and the Word of God says in Mark uh, immediately, he spoke to them and said, Be of good cheer. It is I. Listen for His voice. Over top of the storm. Over top of what you see. Over top of the discouragement. 
over the top, a friend that you've been nine hours and have hardly got anywhere over top of that, you listen for the voice of the Savior. If you've ever been saved, you know what His voice sounds like. I don't know if Elijah had ever heard the rocks rent like he heard it up there that night. I don't know if he had ever seen fire and thunder and an earthquake like he heard that night. But I tell you, when that still small voice came, he wrapped his face in a mantle and stepped out and said, Lord, here am I. Here is your servant. Speak to me. You think we're going to run into contrary winds? Opposed? Opposite? Adversary? We are. Guarantee it. We're going to run into it. Well, it, 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 it just... You know, if we was really in the will of God, if you was really in the will of God, if she was really in the will of God, if they were really in the will of God, we wouldn't be in this. Why don't you tell that to Paul? Why don't you tell that to Elijah? Why don't you tell that to his servants all through the Bible? Why don't you tell that to his disciples that are on a ship that nine hours before God said, you get in there and go to the other side? Everything that you see doesn't mean that the devil is in control. The devil is not in control. The devil is the Lord's devil. The devil is under the control of Almighty God and he can't do anything unless God allows him to. And this storm, this storm is under the control. <laughs> how beautiful, how beautiful. Read with me if you will in Mark chapter 4. Master, carest not that we perish. Lord, don't you care? Wrong fear. It's the wrong fear when we think He's unconcerned, when He's not interested, when He's not uh, concerned about us, when He's ignorant of, of our situation. Lord, don't you know the situation I'm in? You better believe He knows. He knew at 6 o'clock in the evening before the sun ever set completely what kind of storm it was going to be at at 3 in the morning. He's the one that brought it. He's the one that orchestrated it. He's the one that put it in their face. He could have blew them sideways. He could have given them a tailwind. But what did He do? I tell you, He put it right in their face. Mark chapter 4, verse 39. And he arose and rebuked. So that word, rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. So, this word, and he arose and rebuked the wind. That word means to muzzle. 
He told the wind to hush. And by the Word of God, and He said unto the sea, Peace be still. There is an abundant. And there was a great calm, complete, abundant. I say, you think about this, friend. That God told the wind to hush. God told the sea to lay down. God said that to them. You know who they are. What, what kind of man is this? I tell you what kind of man this is. This is not a man. This is the God-man. This is the Son of God. And the wind and the sea are His servants. Don't ever forget that His servants, a friend, the wind and the sea fall in the same category. He's over them and He spoke to them and they said, what manner of man is this uh, that there is a great... Con- I mean, you tell me this. The wind stops. How long before the sea quits rolling? Immediately? No way. He made it, both of them, immediately. The wind and the sea are the servants of the Son of God. Right here is what we need to fear. We need to fear Him. We need to fear Him who the wind and the seas are His servants. We need to fear Him. We don't need to fear that He's ignorant, that He's unconcerned, that He's unaware of where we are. We need to fear Him who is in control of the wind and the rain and the sun and the moon and that that is in my face and that that's against my back. I need to fear Him. Oh friend, and I'll tell you what else I need to fear. I need to fear this. I have no control over the wind. I have no control over the sea. I have no control over that. I am absolutely have any in a, I am completely unable to control it. But thank God I know somebody who's in control. There's who I need to fear. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm, stillness, tranquility. And he said, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? In what? Matthew and Mark chapter 6, Matthew 14. He just took five loaves and two fishes and fed at least 15,000 people. And they picked up 12 baskets afterwards. He said in Mark, let us pass over unto the other side. What is it? I tell you, God help us to have faith in what He says. In spite of what we see, in spite of how we feel, in spite of the controversy, in spite of, in spite of that that is contrary, in spite of that that is opposite of us, that is opposed to us, that is an adversary to us, the wind in our face, God help us to believe Him and take Him at His Word in spite of everything that we see and that that we feel. I'm not going to dwell here, but just a second.
Isaac said, who are you? He said, I'm Esau. He said, the voice is the voice of Jacob. But his mama took some goat hair, put it around his wrist, put it around his neck. But he said, the feel is Isaac. The feel, I'm sorry, is Esau. Which was the truth? What you feel or the voice? I believe you can apply that to God. I believe we ought to believe God and take Him at His Word no matter how we feel. You know how I feel? I feel like the wind is in my face. I feel like that we're in a storm. I feel like that there's opposition. I feel like, oh well, it looks to me like, preacher, uh, that they're on the wrong road. They're not on the wrong road. They're exactly where God sent them. Exactly where God told them to go. Uh, They're in the midst of the storm. And friend, the wind is in their face because He turned it that way. And He's walking on it. Peter said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come to you. Matthew 14. Lord, if it's you, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he come. Ain't that something? What's the goal in this storm? I tell you, God, help us to walk over top of our fears. God, help us to walk on our fears. God, help us to walk on that that is blowing in our face. Peter, honest to God, Peter is going to get out of the boat and he is going to walk. He is going to walk on the water. He is going to walk on the water. And friend, Peter is going to walk on the water. And I believe it's like this. When God says, the Lord Jesus says, come, there's something that stirs in Peter's heart. He steps out of the boat and heads toward the Lord. I believe the presence of the Lord is there. The Word of God is there. And Peter is able to walk over top of the storm. Peter takes his eyes off of the Lord and looks at the storm. He begins to sink. But he's not a fool. He said, Lord, save me. And immediately, I need to fear me. I need to fear my ability. I need to fear that I am unable to control the storm. I'm unable to overpower it. I'm unable to do anything about it. And many, many, many be the ways. I tell you what I can do. I can toil. I can row. I can follow the leadership of God. I can follow the Word of God. I can step out. And at times, I believe this, folks, I believe at times we can walk on the water of our storm. But don't take your eyes off and don't forget that voice that you heard when He said, come. Don't forget that voice when He said, let us go to the other side. Don't forget that. Well, this storm, I mean, my God, I I forgot that. You better not forget that. You better not forget that. That's your only hope. And the wind was contrary, opposed, opposite, in 
inside within. You know what we lack? We lack faith in the Word of God. Don't back up on the Word of God. I don't care. By Mark chapter 4, the Bible said that the waves were coming over the, over the ship. It was coming over and coming in and they were about to sink. <laughs> he was just getting them in the right place. Preacher, I don't believe that. It don't matter to me. I'm going to believe it in spite of you not believing it. I'm going to believe God in spite. In spite of what I see. I'm going to believe God. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water. You tell me. Anybody else walk on the water? Have you heard of anybody else in all of the Bible ever walking on the water? I tell you, he had his eyes on the Lord and he heard that voice say, Come. Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. Come. Boy, that's a big command, ain't it? Come. Come. And he beginning to sink when he saw the winds boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Boy, that's a big prayer too, ain't it? Ain't that a big old prayer? What's he looking for? I tell you, he's looking for a cry that's coming from within. He's looking for a cry of helplessness. He's looking for a cry that says, God, I'm about to be drowned in this storm. I'm looking for you to lift me out of here. Though the wind's contrary, God, I believe you can lift me out. Can we believe him? I'm not trying to give you a pep rally. I'm trying to give you the word of God. I want you to have the Word of God. Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt, Peter? Why, oh thou little faith, why did you doubt my Word? Why did you doubt my protection? Why did you doubt me calling you? Why did you doubt me sending you? Why did you doubt me constraining you to go to the other side? Why do you doubt that, Peter? And they feared exceedingly, Mark chapter 4, and they said one to another, What manner of man is this? (laughs) What manner of man is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? Man is powerless. Man has no ability. But the wind and the seas are the servants of the Lord Jesus. It's the truth. It's the truth. I want I want you to read I want you to read with me two more accounts and they'll be quick. In the book of 2 Kings chapter number 3. 2 Kings chapter number 3. Here's a group of men and Jehoshaphat's with them and they've been out for 7 days with no water. And it looks like everything they've got including the army and all of their all of their beasts is going to die. 2 Kings chapter number 3. Elisha, Elisha is there, and Elijah, Elisha said in verse number 15, 315, and it, he bring me a minstrel, and it came to pass as a minstrel play, played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, 
Thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. Now you reckon they're tired. You reckon they're wore out. He's going to make it worse. Not only are they tired and wore out. Listen to what he says now. You shall not see wind, neither shall you see rain. There's nothing to look at. I tell you what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to believe the Word of God, and if there is nothing to look at, believe the Word of God anyway. No rain. You know what this is? This is against nature. This is opposed to you. This is contrary. Within you, within, opposed, adversary, opposite, Within you, you know what within them it said? Within them they say, how in the world are we going to dig ditches out here in the middle of the desert? No no wind, no rain. There ain't nothing going to be seen. And He tells us to dig ditches. Well, that, that, that just don't seem right. Of course that's the way it seems. But the water is going to come by their effort and their Word of God. Look. Look at the book now. You're not going to see wind nor rain, yet the valley shall be filled with water that you may drink both you and your beast. And listen. This is a light thing. In the sight of the Lord. He will deliver the Moabites into your hands. You're going to destroy every fenced city. You're going to fall all the trees. You're going to stop all the wells. (laughs) You know what God says? God said, I can do exceeding abundantly more than you can ask or think. They're wanting water. He said, I'm going to give you water. And I'm going to give you the victory over the Moabites too. By our effort and by our belief. They got to dig ditches. There's no way to have water unless you're going to dig ditches. Well, that just don't seem right to me. Of course it don't. It's contrary to what you think. It's contrary to nature. It's going to get windy if we're going to have any water. It's going to get cloudy if we're going to have any water. No. No, God's going to bring it up in a way that you've never seen before. God is not hindered by my limitations. God is not hindered by your limitation. I am hindering myself by being disobedient and not doing what God says. I am hindering my own, uh, my own blessing. One more account. Exodus chapter 14. Exodus 14. You talk about beautiful. My gosh, how beautiful. Exodus 14. Seven days out from Egypt, the Lord spake to Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they turn and encamp before Pehiroth between Migdal and the sea over against Belzephon. You know where they were headed? 
Why, they, they were headed out and headed towards Canaan's land. God said, Moses, tell them to take a rack right here. Tell them to go down here between Baal Zephon and Pehiroth, next to Migdal, down next to the sea. Before it shall you encamp by the sea. Now I'm asking you, who's in charge? Who's leading this? Who is bringing this to pass? Listen to verse 3. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they're entangled in the land and the wilderness has shut them up. (laughs) They're in a gong. They made a wrong turn. They're down there between two cliffs and the Red Sea is in front of them. The land has entangled them. There is no escape. Isn't that what the devil whispers all the time? Isn't it? Yeah. I'll get a mire on them. That's what he says. But now you listen to what God says. Verse number 4. And I... Now let me ask you this. Let me read first. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall follow them. And I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon his host and that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Has God got a plan? Now let's think. Children of Israel have not read Exodus chapter 14. Children of Israel have took a right turn and headed down to the mouth of the gorges or the mouth of the bay. The Gulf of Suez. It's sort of like the left-hand arm pointing north of, of the Red Sea. They're down there and they're between two cliffs. And Pharaoh is madder than a bull. And Pharaoh wants vengeance. Isn't that what you would say? Yeah. Isn't that the way it would look to you? But can I remind you that God hardened His heart? Can I remind you that you and I are reading that God is in control though we can't see it if we were there with Him. All they see is a mad Pharaoh. All they see is a man who is hardened. All they see is a man who is wicked. All they see is a man who wants vengeance. But God said, I'm going to harden his heart. He's going to come down here and I'm going to get glory out of him. Who brought them to this hopeless, helpless place? <laughs> you see, folks, it's, it's contrary. The wind is contrary. And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled. And Now listen, 
And the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people that they said they have done this, that we have left Israel, go from serving us. And he made ready his chariots and took his people with him, 600 chosen chariots, the chariots of Egypt, captains over all of them. Looks like Pharaoh's mad, don't it? Who's in control? And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel. You know what he thinks? They cannot escape. I am going to destroy them. Who's going to be destroyed? Pharaoh says, I'm going to get honor. Who's going to get honor? Listen. It's not going to be Egypt. It's not going to be Israel. It's going to be God who gets all the glory. Just a little more. So here they are. Verse 9, But the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses, chariots of Pharaoh, horsemen. His army overtook them in camping by the sea, even beside but Paharoth before Belsaphon, the mouth of the gorges. And when Pharaoh drew nigh... Now listen, here's the children of Israel. Again, they've not read Exodus 14. What they're seeing is an evil, wicked, vengeful king named Pharaoh. Years later, they understand God was in control. They understand God hardened his heart. And this ain't the first time, folks. And God didn't harden his heart because he hardened his heart. God told Moses before he ever went down there, He said, I am going to harden Pharaoh's heart that he will not let the children of Israel go, but you go tell him, I said to let the children of Israel go. You know why you're saved? Because of the grace of God. Pharaoh drew nigh. The children of Israel were sore afraid. Verse 10. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. Is that what he's after? <laughs> Looks to me like that's what he's after every time. Every time there's a storm, every time there's controversy, every time there's something contrary, every time that the, it looks like the devil and Pharaoh and Egypt and even God is against me, I tell you what He's after. He's after me crying out to Him. That's what He's after, folks. And they said to Moses, you know what? We need, to, we need somebody to blame it on. That'll make us feel better if we've got somebody to blame it on. I mean, there's no way that God would have brought us out of Egypt, turned us right down here, and brought us up against the Red Sea. It must be that idiot Moses. That's the way people think. I didn't say that to be ugly. 
I'm saying that's the way people think. That's exactly how people think. There's a storm. There's a trial. It must be. I mean, look at Job. <laughs> All of his friends come. You know whose fault it is? Job, it's you. You've sinned against God. You're out of God's will. You've cheated somebody. You've looked at some maiden. You've been unfaithful. You've not done what God bids you to do. Isn't that something we need somebody to blame it on? I'll tell you who's in control. God's in control. For His glory. They're going to blame it on Moses. Moses, wasn't there any graves in Egypt? You brought us out here to kill us? Is not this a word? Let us alone. We may serve the Egyptians. Moses said to the people, Fear you not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Shew to you today for the Egyptians whom you have seen. You shall see them again no more forever. And Moses and the Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. You're not getting any glory. All the glory goes to God. Verse 15, chapter 15, they're going to glorify Him. They're going to sing about Him. God said to Moses, Quit crying to me. Speak to the children of Israel. They go forward. <laughs> Where are we going? Where are we going, Lord? You go forward, I'll open the door. You go forward, I'll open the way. You go forward, and you know what He's going to do? Here's the picture, folks. The Red Sea is laying north and south. Okay? The Red Sea is laying north and south. They're on the west side, headed east. God's going to stack up the water with the east wind. In their face all night long. How He can stack up water and not blow over Israel. I don't know how to bring that together. But I know that the chapter 16 says, By the breath of His nostrils, He parted the Red Sea. And did, You know, it's amazing that He didn't pile it all up over there in Egypt or on the other side. He parted it, a friend, and it was an east wind in their face all night long. And God delivered them. His glory, for His honor. The wind across the Red Sea was contrary to Israel. And it may very well be for me and for you.